Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jamie Baines. Today's guest is Reggie Allen, a 30-year veteran of the Richmond Police Department. Reggie started with the department in 1988 and retired in 2019. While with the department, Reggie spent a few years in patrol, about nine years in narcoticide and homicide, but eventually went back to do what he loved doing, narcotics work. Reggie and I talked about his career with the department, his outlook on life, and his advice to people just getting into law enforcement. I hope you enjoy the interview. And welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Reggie Allen. How are you, Reggie? I am great. I am great. Good, man. Now, give me a little background about yourself. You were with the Richmond Police Department for maybe a year or two, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Actually, um, I spent um, just over 30 years um, with the Richmond Police Department. I came in 88, and I retired in officially January 1, 2019. Man, no kidding. Now, where did you start off at in the Richmond Police Department? What was your first assignment? Upon graduation from the academy, um, I was assigned to 3rd Precinct. Um, back then, it was called Beats, and I wrote Beat 318. Um, back then, 3rd Precinct was still on the Burnham Avenue. Okay. But I wrote, um, you know, that the 318 was currently where the new precinct is. Okay, over on Meadow? Yeah, Meadow Street. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long were you in patrol for? Uh, whew, let me see. I spent... About uh, a year and a half, almost two years in patrol before being uh, reassigned to Strike Force, which was basically um, a uniform narcotics team in the city back then. And this is like, so this is around 1990, would it be 1991 when you went in Strike Force? No, before then, um, I'm thinking. But by '91, I was I think I was in narcotics. Um, it probably was. I came my '89, '90. Um, probably like in '90. About '90. In, in by '90. And what were '90? What were the streets of the city, uh, Richmond looking like then? Because was this was the crack epidemic still going on at that point? Had it slowed down, or what were you guys really after? No, actually, it was just cranking up. Um, <clears throat> um in the '90s is when it really it really hit the ground hard running. Mm-hmm. Um. That's why we was a, a support group for narcotics. They did most of the um, undercover stuff, the drug buys and things like that. Strike Force, basically, we ran the corners, we ran the projects. If there was an area of the city that were problem, problematic at the time, the chief would assign Strike Force to that location. Um, back then, we rode, <clears throat> there wasn't a fourth precinct, so we rode 400 cars. And anything 400 was Strike Force. Um, like I said, back back then, drugs were really, really taken off. The violence was taken off. So it, it was the beginning of the violent era in mm-hmm. Richmond. And when you say violence, you're meaning um, just like everything, shootings, stabbings, everything going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, back then you had uh, most of your homicides then, I do believe, were probably based around drugs, drug activity, um, territory. Um, you know, this is my block. Now you got to get off. So um, it, it, it was just cranking up as far as the violence in the, in the, in the early 90s, 94 being the most violent year, I think. And did we have a, was there actually, because you hear about people talking about gang problems, um, and sometimes they mention in Richmond, sometimes not. 
did you find that there was a actually a legitimate gang problem in Richmond, or was it more loosely associated groups of guys and gals? Uh, then we had a bad problem with the Jamaican Possums. Um, those guys were, were heavy in Richmond back then. Um, so that was, to me, was the biggest gang avenue in Richmond. Then was the um, the Jamaicans. Um, then we had an issue with the guys um, up on the West End, um, um, what they call the Charlie Boys. Um, there's another group that was on the West End that did a lot of shootings with, um, that was what Bubba and Rabbit and all those guys up there. Um, but I forgot the name of that group up there also. So there were gangs throughout the city on the north side. You had the Metal Bridge, um, the guys on Metal Bridge Road, and some other places. So there were some loose-knit gangs, mm-hmm. um, but they wasn't quite as organized. But they, you still had gang activity, yes. And how long did that string of violence last, um, with, would you say? I, mean, I, know, and it's, it's, I know it's violent now. Richmond's always been a fairly violent, smallish, medium-sized city. Um, but like you said, back then it really exploded. How long did that kind of explosion of violence last, Reggie, would you say? I I think to me the the most violent times were probably the um early nineties until about the mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um because ninety four was probably our most violent year at that time I was in homicide. Mm-hmm. And I think we had a hundred and 60 or 170 homicides that year that's unimaginable um, yes yes and it was it was <laughs> and and it was really a trying time because like, when i came over there i was first assigned to narcoside that unit is no longer existing it's, it was a good unit and should have been kept but narcoside we we did all homicides that were drug related mm-hmm. or had a drug nexus to them that would be take to federal court so um and then I came over to straight homicide, I think, later on. But it, it kind of, 90, between 92 and 97, 98, I think it kind of peaked. And then after they came in and changed some concepts and went to more of that community-based policing, it started to go down probably in the 2000s. Was it harder at the time to solve homicides when you just have so many rolling in one after the other? Yeah, yeah, because people were afraid. Um, you know, you you uh, snitches get stitches, as they always say. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you 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 know who did it. I mean, most homicides in the first four to eight hours or so, you know who did it. Mm-hmm. But it's just getting people that are willing to risk getting on the stand to say who did it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you got to pressure people, or you got to get them caught up in something else to make them get on the stand to testify. But and in most cases, probably three out of five, you know who did it in the first few hours, but it's just getting enough evidence and enough proof to take it to a grand jury. Mm-hmm. And in 30 years, man, that's a long time to be a cop. Did you, uh, <laughs> what kind of changes did you notice over the course of your career, Reggie? I think for me, when, when, when I came out, there was, um, more unity officers in my opinion they looked out for each other when i came out and we, we ran north side on uh, other places and a call came in radio didn't have to tell me to go i'm mm-hmm. going because that's, that's my boy over there mm-hmm. i'm gonna make sure he or she got back up taking care of these people and uh, i think it was a lot more corroborated back then um 
now I think it's a lot more of I'm trying to get ahead. So I'm going to do whatever I got to do to advance. Um, it's, it's, it's a different psyche, in my, in my opinion, um, the older officers versus the newer ones. They cut from a different cloth. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, I think those guys knew how to talk to people um, and, and try to, you know, you try to de-escalate versus going, always having to go hands-on. Mm-hmm. But when, you, when we had to go hands-on, it wasn't no problem going hands-on. But I, I just think it's just the attitude of, of my era versus this era. It's, it's totally different. Do you notice a change in the way police officers are treated as well? Um, like the community treats the police officers, and it's a two-way street, how police officers treat the community and also how the community treats the police officers. Do, when you guys were out there, um, you know, doing the strike force and hitting the corners and everything, was it, it was always respectful back and forth? Not always, but generally speaking, was it, Reggie? Yes, most of the time it, it was. Most guys knew when, you know, when, when the 400 cars rolled up, you know, now it's our block. And you're going to respect that. Uh-huh. And, and, and most of the time they move away. Of course, you got a few, you know, going to always come up and give lip and respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think they, they respected officers a lot more back then. Um, now it's like, you know, with this, with this new movement, it, it's a, you are basically a necessary evil. I don't you want you being the police but, officer. But gotta, you yeah, being, okay. you being a police officer. Yeah. I don't want you, but I got to have you. Um, so I think the respect level has really gone. I mean, now a lot of these people, <laughs> the uniform don't mean nothing to them. There's no respect. Um, and then a few citizens still respect police officers and they want you there. But it's, it's, it's like having a, uh, you know, it's an uphill battle right now. Mm-hmm. These guys are really having to go through it, but I'm hoping this too shall pass and it will blow over. But I don't think it's fair to condemn a whole department based on something that one person did. Mm-hmm. And why do you think I, that I, happens? Because it, well, it's, it's, and I've talked to a lot of people about it, and and you were saying exactly the same thing that a lot of us are saying is that you know that they're painting police departments and police officers in general with a broad brush and not focusing on the bad ones who we don't want within our ranks. Well, I, I was talking to a guy actually about two weeks ago and, and his, his, his approach was, you know, all, all y'all know what's going on and you protect one another. That's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true. And I said, man, you know, understand this. <laughs> I investigated bad officers. I, I followed them. I, I did surveillance on them because it was part of my assignment at the time. Mm-hmm. But so understand, there's nothing more we want to do than get a bad officer off the street because one bad guy, he brings down another thousand. Mm-hmm. So so and, and <laughs> the issue is we don't look and close our eyes. <clears throat> That's not true. Now, now, there are clicks. There are clicks. Bad officers do things <clears throat> around people that act in harmony with them. Mm-hmm. So it's a bad group of them. All of them are not bad. See, a bad officer is not going to do a thing in front of a good, a good one because he knows he's going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So you you can't broad stroke everybody, okay? Oh, you know what's going on. You see it. You close your eyes. You can't see that. 
you know, you, you can't say that. You, you, can't, you can't, it's the same as being a bad politician, a bad lawyer, a bad doctor. Mm-hmm. If you got one bad one, I guess all of them bad now. Right. And it is. I mean, we all get that. painted that way. Exactly. Exactly. It's not fair. It's not fair at all. Now, did you ever run into any um, racial pushback? Because you're a, you're a black police officer for 30 years. Did you ever get accused or somebody say, you know, you're, you're being a traitor or anything like that? Um, did any of that ever come up? And if so, how did you deal with it at the time? Yeah, I've, you know, a lot of time, if, if you, in an, like, we've done search warrants or done things, went places, and then what they do is they're going to they're gonna zero in on that black officer there. Now you're a sellout. You're a Tom. You know, you're working for the man. You don't care about your people. Uh, uh, and now, and it, it kind of burns you up, but you have to kind of, you know, kind of let it go. But but I, I have told people, no, I'm, I'm, I'm none of those things. I'm a young man who works in the city of Richmond mm-hmm. who wants to make the city better. So in order to do that, I chose law enforcement because to me, in my opinion, I'm trying to help the community, mm-hmm. not damn the community. So if I'm a sellout for doing what's right, is where it is. How much want to call me? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, but you don't scare me. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> And did it, I'm sure it frustrated you, um, but yeah, then did. did you did you get a thicker skin? And did you have a thick skin prior to it? Because police officers, all all police officers, regardless of color, um, gender, sexual orientation, have have got to have a thick skin. I think in order to do their job correctly and well. Yes, yes. I mean, we're human now. Don't get me wrong. We bleed. We have feelings mm-hmm. like anybody else. But because of the job we chose, we have to be. I, I guess like I guess thick skin, words can hurt you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to hear it. You're going to be respected. They're going to call your names. You know, they're going to do a lot of people do everything they can to make you put their hand, to put your hands on them. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you have to be just that, that, that confident in your own self and know, you know what? This guy's just talking. It's, it's lip action. Mm-hmm. As long as he don't put his hands on me, we're okay. But if you put your hands <laughs> on me, then it's kind of personal. Right. So, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I spent 30 years in the, in the department and I've been to Eternal Affairs one time. And that's and that's that is very, very telling with all the contact that you had with all different kinds of people throughout the city and all different units. You only went there once in 30 years. Once. And, it, and, and even then, it wasn't because of what I did. I was in, in the house with a search warrant. And um, they made a complaint, um, which is unfounded later. But so, I mean, you, you can't tell me you can't be a cop and and not go to IED. Now, people are going to make bogus complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to say things because they're just mad at you or trying to get you in trouble. But, I, but I'm a firm believer. If you're doing what you're supposed to do and you utilize the body cam the right way, you'll be fine. Just don't let them talk you into nothing. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't let that lip action make you put your hands on somebody when you don't have to. And how have you stayed so upbeat, Reggie? Because any time that I would pass you in the hallways or anywhere, you always, always have a smile, and you always have a smile for everyone. And well. so, <laughs> and it might be not fair putting you on the spot like this, but you're you're always so upbeat. You're always so positive. Um, 
How do you do it? I mean, again, 30 years, that's a long, long time to be a police officer in the city of Richmond and deal with the stuff that you've had to deal with, and yet you remain so positive. How do you do it? You got First of all, you got to get your priorities together. For me, it's faith and family and everything else. I'm very grounded, first of all, in my religion. Mm-hmm. I'm very strong there. Um, I'm very confident in my ability. I don't believe anybody, nobody, can steal my joy. It's mine. God gave it to me. Um, you, your mindset has to be positive. Even though you're going to run into stuff, you're going to see things that's going to bring you down a little bit. If the, the, the key is, it's no problem with falling down, but you got to get back up. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you can't let situations and people bring you down and keep you down. So I'm a firm believer. I always tell my kids, um, if you can't control it, don't worry about it. You can't control people. You can't control what they say, how they feel about you. All thing you can control is you and your attitude and your demeanor. So my smile, my joy, my happiness come from within. And it's me. I'm not going to change that. I'm 58 years old. I'm just as happy today as I was 30 years ago. <laughs> and you can hear it, and you can hear your smile and your voice, and and every time you say it, utter a sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not going to change. I mean, like I said, I, I I did what I did. I do what I do currently. My current employment. Um, I can't get into what I do, <laughs> but I do work for the federal government. I was blessed in a way that when I retired. When I retired, I walked into a job. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's because for me, as, and, and as the man told me where I currently work at, we've been watching you. You've been around us for a while, five years on this task force. You bring a lot to the table. You work hard. You've got a good attitude. We're going to offer you this job. But the thing is, if you set yourself up, if you work hard, you stay honest, true to the game, true to yourself, you know, You'd be blessed, but you got to stay true to the game and be true to yourself and be grounded. What advice would you give to somebody just go either going in to law enforcement or thinking about going to law enforcement at this time where we're kind of, I, I think it's, I think it's swinging back um, towards people are supporting law enforcement more so than it was last summer. What would your advice be to people either thinking about it or getting ready to, jump into with both feet <laughs> that's a good one um I, I, my daughter is right now in the, in the academy mm-hmm. um and and what i told her is is look you're going into an area of adversity challenge unknowing oh man a lot of stuff but you got to go into it with open eyes be positive know what you want to do be confident, first of all, in your own ability to do what you're going to do. Accept your training. Understand how to take constructive feedback. You don't have all the answers. You're just starting in this game. Um, <laughs> from the academy to the street is a whole different world. It's a whole different environment. It's a whole different lesson. Learn to listen. Learn to listen. Don't, a lot of times we talk too much and don't listen enough. And you miss stuff. So I think if, if you come into, into, into this line of work right now, you got to be open-minded. You got to be able to take that 
Let's defund the police. The police is that. You can't let that rattle you because those are people who are talking who don't want you or support you. And you're going to have those. Mm-hmm. But the same way you got the ones that are naysayers, you got the ones that say, look here, officer in blue, I, I'm thankful for your service. I'm glad you're here. Be safe. Take care of yourself. You you got people who want to support you. And you had that so, 30 years ago, too, didn't you, Reggie, on both sides. You had people yes. who didn't like you and people who do like you. So that has not oh, changed yes. in 30 years. It's, it's, still, it's still the same game. It's, it's still the same thing. It's different levels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, I mean, history has a sense to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's the same thing. We just had it a little differently in my, in my day. But you still got the same thing today as you had back then. It's just that now you got a lot more people who who playing the political game with it. That's mm-hmm. all. Well, man, you've gotten you've just put wisdom out left and right, Reggie. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking to us. Well, it's been my pleasure. Like I said, um, this is law enforcement has been my has been my my life for over over <laughs> over half, well, most of my life. But now I came in when I was twenty four years old. You know, so and, and I'm fifty eight now, and I'm still doing it. And you know, I I feel stronger now than than I've ever felt. So and if people follow you on Instagram, they'll see how strong you are. Because like I said, you're you got you got forearms like oak trees. <laughs> so keep it up. That's all I gotta say. Keep it up. Then I will do, my brother. I, I, I'm gonna take care of myself, and I hope <laughs> I'll be blessed. And God will take care of me, and we'll keep this thing flowing. All right, Reggie. Well, I hope you come back and talk to us again. Definitely will, sir. Take care of yourself, and I appreciate it. All right, Reggie. Talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye. That's it, guys. So what do you think of Reggie? I swear, I've known the man for years and never, ever saw him without a smile on his face. After I stopped recording, we talked a bit longer about how the job can eat you up if you let it. Specifically, we talked about officers that we knew who committed suicide. So I've asked Reggie to come back on another episode where we're going to talk about the stress that people deal with and some coping ideas that Reggie used over his decades with the department. I hope you tune back in. Until then, take care of one another and ignore the people who make a living off the pain of others. Thanks for listening.